Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you'll need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. What's up, you guys? Sean Ross Sapp here, managing editor of FightfulWrestling.com. Fightful.com, here for the September 16th post-Raw podcast. We are joined by a familiar face, Alex Pawlowski. Wait, he he looks a little bit different this time, though. (laughs) What's up, guys? Well, you know it's not Alex Pawlowski because we already got a laugh. This is Denise Salcedo. You all have probably seen her before. On uh, After Buzz, on Xbox 12360, on Instinct Culture, like all over the place. Denise, we're so happy to have you. Hey, I'm so excited to be here. Like, you cannot believe. I'm just, I'm happy that it was even a good Raw that we get to go right yeah. in and like talk about it. Like, that makes me even happier. So that's the thing. Like, Alex uh, was so negative on Raw. I was like, man, I got to pull you from these shows, put you on AEW. You're too jaded. And then the first episode of Raw that he isn't on is a banger. It's a good one. It was a lot of fun. I, I really enjoyed this show. Uh, we're going to break it down, get into it. Uh, Denise, tell the people a little bit about yourself. I, I told them a little bit about you, but... Well, I won't take up too much of people's time, but all you should know about me, longtime wrestling fan. I do interviews, podcasts, like Sean just mentioned, on X-Pac 12360, ring announcer, you name it, the whole deal, content creator. I won't brag too much, but that's pretty much about, that's me. Well, that's what we like here. We like different points of views and uh, already coming in with a sunny disposition. Not hard to do after this episode of Monday Night Raw. Uh, we've got plenty of stuff up on Fightful.com, lots of stuff up on Fightful Select as well. Uh, give that a subscribe if you want to support us directly. But hey, if you're here, leave a thumbs up on the video, subscribe to our channel. You can also find Denise's information in the description below, so check that out. Seth Rollins kicked off this episode of Raw and ran down all the things that happened last night to him, about him, concerning him. We ended up getting a monologue. I guess WWE was like, yeah, we, we can't show a video we got to have Seth go out there and summarize it. But uh, one thing that I liked off the bat, Denise, was the fact that Seth cared about losing the tag titles. Everything that happened, on, that happened to him last night, the title match, the Fiend attacking him, he was still kind of bummed about losing those tag titles. I think that makes them mean a little bit more. 
You know, that makes me happy, actually. I'm glad that you brought that up because I didn't catch that right away. But now that you say it, it's like, yeah, because, you know, people are always pushing those tag titles down. But now that someone's actually saying like, hey, I'm the champion, but losing those tag titles actually meant something. You know, that's a good pro to have, you know, to have him sort of kick off the show in that way. Nice little recap, too. Yeah, I I really dug that. Uh, Then we get The Fiend, well, Bray Wyatt, in the Firefly Funhouse. I kind of dug this dynamic of having him up there on the Titantron. It plays a lot better than having him come out on the microphone like a middle schooler and air his grievances or say whatever it is he needs to say. I think that this works a little bit better, especially with the rabbit warning Rollins to get the hell away while you can, save yourself, and Bray's like, no, no, no. No, I, I thought they're starting Ra- to turn on him. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I dig that. I like that that element. And Rollins, I thought there were maybe a few too camera cut, too many camera cuts that could have served to have like one of of Rollins reacting. And I think that would have been a little more impactful. But this was this was a really fun dynamic. What do you think of this opening promo? All right, so first of all, I want to point out the fact that I really liked how many segments we had today with the Firefly Fun House. Like, we had a lot. Like, we even had, like, some, you know, some lengthy ones, some short ones, but I thought that it fit in well and smooth, smooth very nicely throughout the show. But one of the things that I tweeted, like, right off the bat was this could be Seth Rollins' most, you know, hyped feud since his last one with Brock Lesnar, since he's gotten the title. I feel that now with, with if everything gets played out correctly with Bray Wyatt, we can really have have something here and like I won't say too much right now because I know we'll talk about it later but towards the end I even felt that excitement where it's like okay I felt this excitement with Bray and Seth at the beginning of the of Raw and I still felt it afterwards that's not always easy to do on a three-hour Raw either uh, and I mean no that's that's an uphill battle anyway it's something Triple H actually talked about on the media call that we were on today he was like man I love two hours because I've got a lot of talent that can't get on TV I don't want to do three hours, and they got to do that every week. Reminder, guys, donate a super chat. If you're watching live on YouTube, we will read your statement or que- and answer your question on the air. Let's go ahead and get to some of those. Uh, Joseph Farley says, I'm just here so Sean won't get demonetized. Thank you. That's, that's <laughs> basically our curse jar fund right there. Thank you, Joseph. Uh, we need more cowbell, says that visual with Bray and Rollins at the end of the show. Wow. Bray is saving this show. Like you like you said, Denise, we will get into it, but that lasting image and the close to, to Monday Night Raw is – I've never seen that before. The scene, literally, with Kane just there and then this backdrop of The Fiend right behind him. It was – it could have been a commercial for, like, Universal Studios, Horror Nights, Not Scary Farm, you name it. It could have been, like, one of those, like, little commercials with that – the way the shot looked. Really dug that. I, I thought that was, that was perfect. Uh, Matt Thomas says – uh, welcome. Well, you're being welcomed. You're being showered with gifts here. Uh, DJ Thank the Kid you. says, welcome, Denise, to the Fightful family. Do you think The Fiend is going to be a bit overused? That is that is an interesting question because you did mention how many segments there were, but he's not on the show every week, Denise. Right, and it's funny because that's one of the arguments that I've been seeing on Twitter where people were like, oh, should we be seeing him every single week? Or I w- some people are on the side of, oh, I want to see him every week. And then other people are like, no, I'm on the side where let's find a perfect balance. Like today, it didn't feel like it was too much because it was, you know, like I said, different segments that flowed very nicely. And then that ending, to be honest, I was not expecting that whatsoever. I thought it was just going to end with that match, post beatdown, etc. I didn't expect all of that. Like I didn't expect Kane 
And the, well, I mean, common sense says that he probably would. But yeah. the part with the fiend actually coming out, it was like perfect timing. Like all of it was like worked out perfectly. So I think that as long as they do it in a way the like they did it tonight on Raw, then it would not be an issue. You yeah. know, because we obviously still want to see him so that, you know, the fans can, you know, care more but still keep him hot. Wyatt does tease that he might show up later on. He delivers on that promise, and we will get to that. Strowman's backstage, and he basically says he's going to beat up whoever's in the ring next. That is Rude, Ziggler, and the Revival. I'm a little bit confused as to why they're so friendly. I mean, Rude and Ziggler beat these guys in a turmoil match a while back, but this really just served for Braun to beat them up. That's what they were there for. Yeah, I, I wasn't a fan of this, honestly. Yeah. I wasn't a fan of this. I was like, okay, I get it. I just feel like Braun... Braun Strowman's like, he's either in the title picture, he's not in the title picture, he's regaining his heat back, you name it. I just feel like it's sort of like back and forth with Braun Strowman on that. And to have this beat down on the ta- uh, on the tag team champions, I just felt like it was just, eh, wasn't my favorite thing. Yeah, th- this didn't make a lot of sense to me. Rudin Ziggler pinned these guys like two weeks ago and didn't see, I, I don't see any reason for them to be buddies, except maybe that the Revival got got their titles. And I do have a little bit of news coming on the Revival this week, the Fightful Select guys. Make sure you guys subscribe to that. Uh, I'll be posting that probably midweek when I get another confirmation. Uh, but they, they had to heat Braun up a little bit because he's kind of turned into the guy that never wins the big one. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. Like he gets a title shot, then he doesn't win it. And then they have to sort of get him back up to be popular again. It's like, how many times does that have to happen for people to like, you know, actually take him seriously? Because the, the way I see it, it's like, oh, bronze in a title shot. OK, that's not, nothing's going to happen. It's just going to be a cool match. Go from there. Rob Wilkins, who always asks about Rusev, says, welcome, Denise. SRS, I don't know what I'll ask you in Super Chats anymore. I was in shock when Rusev with when Rusev returned. Goosebumps. Crowd reaction, not the best. We will get there, my friend. Uh, where we're getting now is the OC defeating Cedric Alexander and the Viking Raiders. Cedric with a little bit more backup, but he still eats the pin. Uh, this match was, I think, a really good uh, sample for the Viking Raiders. They got some good reactions for their offense. Don't they always, though? Yeah. Like, they're a gem. They're a gem. They're working out really, really well. Like, they've been crushing jobbers for quite a while, and... Like, something as simple as Eric picking up Ivar to slam him on Gallows. Like, the crowd was like, hell yeah, I'm all about this. I'm digging this. Uh, Viking Raiders, I think you're going to get over just fine. As long as people start catching them when they do dives to the outside and they don't... Dude, he got his whole lower back and his butt. That was it. Smack Smack on the mat. That was it. I was like, oh, man, nobody caught him. He just went right through all three guys. That was filthy. Nobody, nobody caught him. That was that was rough. His ass bone went to dust there. Uh, Styles ends up beating Cedric with the phenomenal forearm. And what happened afterwards kind of confused me because the beatdown continued. And we, we saw this dive where nobody caught um, where nobody caught Ivar. And Styles does the second rope Styles clash. And I was like, why, why didn't all that happen during the match? Like, it, it didn't make sense. There was no reason for it not to have. Like, that could have been the finish. But I didn't see anything really advance here after the match that couldn't have happened because of the match. Uh, what's your take right. on, on how all this unfolded? 
Well, to be honest, I kind of feel a little bad for Cedric Alexander. I kind of felt like at first, you know, he had to take the pin, then he got this beat down by AJ, and then he comes back, gets a little bit of heat, but it didn't work out because he's not an established character yet. So I feel like because of that, like people didn't really have his back, and I felt like it hurt him a little bit more than it could help him. You know, sometimes we see situations like that, and you're like, okay, it doesn't matter. This can help him. But for Cedric, I don't feel that it went through that way for him during this. And it's his second straight night where he's eating a pin. And exactly. And, you know, I, I, I guess it could be a lot worse because I do complain about 50-50 booking an awful lot. So I don't know if I want him win-losing, 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 like, like over and over again. Like, just j- that carousel can be a slippery slope and nobody gets over. And AJ Styles is portrayed as among the best wrestlers in the world, period. And I'm okay with that. Like, he is one of the best wrestlers in the world. I'm okay with him being kept strong. Uh, And Cedric's got plenty of time. But I I was just really confused about why all this didn't happen during the match. Well, they had a good match on Raw recently. It wasn't even, like, last week. And I... After that match, I remember even saying, like, I was left wanting more, you know, and I feel that obviously with both competitors, you know, I don't have to put over Cedric Alexander for people that, you know, they've seen his talent, but I just felt like they could do a lot more with that, you know, and they didn't. So that was my only like downfall. And I kind of, I was thinking today, I was like, man, what did Cedric Alexander do this week? Yeah. Have another That's kind of su- how I felt during Have another one. super chat from Jacob Noble. He says, disregarding storylines purely based off of talent. Who would you draft first overall in the draft? Also, welcome, Denise. Uh, it, oh, hey. It, it's To me, it's it's hard to just say disregarding storylines because number one in the draft is is so contingent on storyline. And some how well somebody is booked and how they can deliver in that spot goes a lot into it. I would say regardless of storyline or not, I would probably put Becky Lynch up there. I think one of the horsewomen need to be the number one draft pick on this show because then you immediately establish to people who may be checking out Raw or SmackDown for the first time on Fox in a while that, hey, the women are in a different place than maybe where they were when you left. This is how important they are. They may have ended WrestleMania this year. I would go as far as to say that the Horsewomen should be the first four people picked in this draft. Uh, Denise, where, where who would you have as the, the first draft right. pick? Well, I feel you on that one with Becky, honestly. I feel like the reaction that she gets continuously and right now I feel like she's kind of just getting back into that groove where she kind of was a little bit prior to Wrestlemania you know with that fan popularity so I would say her as well but the thing about this is that it's kind of like all right, this is a chance to sort of mix things up and you know get new fresh storylines out there so that's what it's kind of like when it's like disregarding storyline I can't see it that way because the way I see it it's like this is time for fresh new storylines and that's what we want especially going into this move with fox like for me like i want to see like you know obviously uh you know a finale to everything but i want to see that continuation of something new something exciting to get people to go in and say hey this is why i want to go and watch smackdown on fox yeah i I completely agree there uh we have another super chat denise (laughs) or uh we need more cowbell says denise i'm loving those beats Sean, the they're ear- actually <laughs> not Beats. They're like $5 headphones from Walmart. <laughs> so listen to this. Homeboy says to me here, those earplugs got to go, buddy. Well, uh, no, they don't because they plug right into my microphone. That's what I'm rocking. They cost about – actually, I bought these at the airport, so they probably cost like six times as much oh, as that's Denise's. that's the worst. It, that's it is the worst. Every time I forget them, every time without fail. 
Uh, we have another one. Brian Hall says, Bailey as a heel acts like a Disney Channel actress getting cast as a villain, and I love it. She is, I didn't think about it that way. She's so good at this, Denise. Like, little social media things. Like, her saying that she left her, her hair straightener on, and that's why she ran to the back. I love that. Uh, and, like, Zelina got mad at her for saying, hey, do you still wrestle? And Bailey was like, well, I'm just a fan of your work. I didn't mean to offend you. I think See, that's really that's good. Those are the things that Bailey is good at. Like, we need more of that. And I feel like she's starting to take note, you know, from Becky with, like, really u- utilizing social media. And especially, like, nowadays, like, for every guy, like, let's say they're not getting their moment, you know, on the show or whatever. Like, utilize social media as your advantage points. Whoever's not utilizing it, it's, like, sleeping on that. Because it's a, it's an opportunity to get the people to sort of get behind you in a sort of way. Even if you're not being, like, showcased the way you either want to or not showcased enough. Yeah. Up next, <laughs> Mayor Glenn Jacobs shows up to give R-Truth and Carmella a tour of Knoxville. He'll take them to the uh, University of Tennessee field, but he has a ref with him. You can kind of see this coming from the first segment because it, it is R-Truth, and you can, you can work these types of segment with any, segments with anybody. We've seen it with Pat Patterson and Gerald Briscoe, with, with pregnant women like Maria. Like We've seen it with retired wrestlers over and over again. Uh, again, we'll get to how Kane finished things off, but I thought this was a great use of Kane throughout the show. It really was. And my favorite part was when Renee Young was like, you go, Glenn Coco. I was like, my mean girl's heart just exploded (laughs) right there. I thought that was a nice little add to it. But it was fun because, you know, you kind of see the fact like, oh, hey, he's a referee. Again, unexpected, a cute way to use Kane, you know. And he had not wrestled, I think, since Crown Jewel last year. So this was technically... His first match of 2019. He's wrestled for WWE every year since uh, 1995 now. I saw your tweet on that. That was a nice little fun fact. Yeah, that guy's been around forever. And he even wrestled in WCW for a couple of matches in like 93. So he's been on national TV for so long. So long. Uh, He ends up winning the title when R-Truth runs into the goalpost. And I love him chanting at himself. I've still got it. I dig it. Yeah, that was nice. That was really cool. This was a completely fun, harmless way to implement this 24-7 title. Truth would roll up Jacobs, uh, Mayor Glenn Jacobs, I have to specify, not Kane, outside the limo. Then has a bit of a heart-to-heart with him, Denise. He's like, listen, you got a lot of jobs. You're running a wrestling school. You're the mayor. You're like a superintendent or on the board or whatever the hell he does. And Glenn is like, yeah, you're right. Let's call a truce. That was hilarious because his eyes were bulging out. Like, you can tell he was using all his, like, last words to, you know, sort of save him. And it ended up working out in his favorite. So I thought that was cool. Yeah, R-Truth uh, is perfect in this role, too. I mean, he's he's pushing 50, I think. He's, like, in his mid to late 40s. Still doing it and still doing it at a high level. Uh, gotta love R-Truth and how he's doing this. And I like that every week it's not this, it's not the same people anymore. You can have one of the same people. But it's not just him and Drake trading it every single week now. It's like we got Kane involved as well. Right. Oh, boy. These King of the Ring finals. My God, I love this match, Denise. (laughs) I saw your tweet, so I'm excited to stir things up here. So you didn't like it. 
No, okay, that's not it. Okay, okay. so I, I saw that you, you know, you're a Baron Corbin fan. So uh, first off, I will say that I am not a Baron Corbin fan. I'm I one of those ca- people. I wouldn't call myself a Baron Corbin fan. It seems fan. like it, though, from, he, from Twitter. From you, Twitter. Don't, okay. you haven't known me very long then because he's got me <laughs> blocked on Twitter. Does he, he really? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And okay, well, then never mind. He, yeah, I before like this King of the Ring run, uh-uh. He, every single one of his matches, he just brings it to a dead stop with that crappy half-Nelson crossface that he did in this match, by the way. But every time, you just know he's grabbing that half-Nelson, he's reaching across their face, and he's parking his big ass there for about three minutes. <laughs> and then a commercial break. So people there live are just like on their phone. They're like trying to figure out if Tout still exists. Anything besides watching him in the ring. But here's the thing. Live, Baron Corbin gets great reactions no matter what. And I can see Vince McMahon right behind there in Gorilla, not realizing on TV it's not coming across, going, Ah, goddamn, pal, he's great. Ah, listen to that. They hate him. I could see that happening. But until this run, I didn't see it for him. But I think that this King of the Ring run's been great. Tell me the reasons that you don't like Baron Corbin, because I'm very excited to hear this. Well, I mean, just from a start, like you said, okay, it's just, it's very hard for me to get into one of his matches. I just don't see him like as a uh, personally prior. I, I don't see him as a credible person, you know, in the ring. And that's you know, I feel I bad say, saying oh, that, you're but that's personal just, there. I, I feel bad saying that, but that's just my like opinion on that. And I feel bad, but I will say this though: during this match, though, I will give him credit because he has been improving throughout. So I'm not gonna say that he's been like that the whole way through. He has been improving, and I think that's real cool. But with this match, what I did not like was that the, the whole like first half of this match was just Baron Corbin just making Chad Gable look like a dork. It just didn't work out, okay? The crowd was not into it like at all. They were only into the parts where they thought Chad Gable might have a part, might have some sort of hope, and then that came like way later. So I felt that. I really like the second portion of this match, but the first half could either been trimmed down or just purely eliminated, you know, just for the sake. I mean, you were saying right now that you can see people on their phones like prior to his previous matches. And I kind of felt that way tonight during during this match. But again, once it progressed, like it did get better. So I will give him credit for that. Like towards the end, I was actually pretty, pretty interested in this match. And but the only thing was that there was There was a big giveaway for me where I was like, okay, Chad Gable is definitely not winning this. And, you know, even though part of me knew that he wasn't going to win this, I sort of still had hope, you know. So I had hope on all of this. I just feel that Chad – this is not – to me, this is an opportunity to give somebody that hasn't had the limelight, that hasn't had the opportunity. To me, it was an opportunity to push Chad Gable and give him something to, like, you know, make people care about him. You know, people that may not see him already as this charismatic, great, talented wrestler. For those people to see him and give him that sort of, you know, opportunity on a platform like this. Obviously, I know why Baron Corbin would and all of that, but I'm just – the hater i'm just hating right now <laughs> i got i gotta so get you fired me. up more often i like this i like this so i i think that maybe they they did this to, to heat baron corbin up because they know how badly they beat him down like he lost like 732 straight title matches and obviously they think a lot of him and uh i, I think that's that's probably why they did it and gable he could he really could have used this as well but i think i was not into the match the first six seven minutes like you said and I was like, ah, it, 
is this going to fit the profile of this tournament? Because this tournament was a very fast-paced tournament. That's why I liked so many of Baron Corbin's matches, is because he worked the pace where he didn't grab that dumbass cross face and hold it there forever. He worked a very fast-paced style. He, he faced a lot smaller guys like Gable, and that's what I expected from the get-go here. Gable is so good at selling that I think that he made that methodical beatdown really work, and I think that's why the crowd got so fired up towards the end of it. He hit those rolling kicks, and man, those hit really, really well. And uh, then Corbin would cut him off with the pop-up power slam, and it worked. Probably my favorite part of this match is, is Gable, who's been called short nonstop every week, every week. He tears away at Corbin's legs, who also poked fun at him. He's like, well, you're my size now. Enjoy it. I love that touch. Like, he took out all that anger, all that aggression. Then they followed it up with a deep six. Didn't win, but Corbin always hits that well. The chaos theory hit, and Gable didn't win, and I knew it then. I was like, ah, man, he ain't winning this one. I knew it when Michael Cole said, oh, he's got to win here. I was like, oh, that's it. It's (laughs) over. It's done. It's done. I'm not even going to get my hopes up anymore. (laughs) They telegraph it, but the, the finish at, like, once they, they started that, really the rolling kicks, my God, I love this. The, the rolling through the end of days. Now, that, that is a bit of a callback to the NXT days when Corbin hit that amazing end of days on him in the American Alpha, Corbin, and Rhino match. An ankle lock is applied, which is also a callback to all the Kurt Angle stories that, that Baron Corbin's had. And then a great end of days wins it. I thought this was an outstanding King of the Ring final to cap off an exceptional tournament. This you know, Nobody's going to confuse this tournament for like a G1 or a Bola or anything like that. But in the scope of WWE, I thought that they worked this tournament very well. I haven't heard your thoughts on like maybe previous matches. What did you think of this King of the Ring tournament in totality? I think all in general, to me, it was sort of what I expected to tie the truth. I didn't really feel like anything really blew me out of the waters. I would say everything was just sort of what I expected to happen, to be honest. Yeah, and we don't always see the high work rate matches, and sometimes they get kind of lazy with the tournament format, and it's like a couple weeks ago I thought for sure they were going to give Corbin a bye for heel heat, but they didn't, and and I liked that. It, It led to a great match. Jacob Noble sends a super chat and saying, are the reports of Vince and other executives not being at the show have any truth to them to your knowledge? Yes, I was actually working on that story as right as Ryan Satin of Pro Wrestling Sheet broke it. So, uh, God damn you, Ryan. But um, <laughs> Adonis Hernandez says, Sean, Nadia is the goat on Twitter. Come on now, you got to pay more for shout outs. Nadia ain't worth that. Nadia wasn't worth your one ninety nine, my friend. Hope you're happy with yourself. Oh, man. <laughs> The next segment, boy, this was either – I'll just say I'm excited to hear what you think about it because it was either so bad it was good or just hilarious. Uh, a gender reveal – first off, what are your thoughts on gender reveals in general? Okay, so gender reveal from what I know – I've never been to a gender reveal party, but from what I know, usually there's like a box – or a cake, yes. and usually, I guess, the doctor or somebody, I don't know, who knows, they set it up, <laughs> the there's some sort of explosion. This is what I've seen from gender reveal parties, so I was really excited to see, like, an exploding cake with blue confetti or a box or something, right? Something real, real cool. And then Maria Canales comes out, and she just says, 
it's a boy. And I was like, this isn't a gender reveal party. This is just an announcement. This is how my aunt told me she was having a baby. I was like, this is not a gender reveal party. So I was very let down in that part. But then when she said Ricochet was the father, I was like, what? Okay, I knew she was going to make some sort of outrageous – something outrageous had to happen, obviously. They, but I wasn't expecting that. They should have had Jinder Mahal come out, and that, that is the gender reveal. That's that's what they should oh, have done. Good, he's good. still healing up, though, so he's got to heal up to Patella. I don't think the doctor are in on these gender reveals. I'm not – I'm never having kids. I'll probably adopt eventually, but we're never having kids, so I'll never do a gender reveal. But I don't I don't know if the doctor's in on the work, but Well whoever, but the, don't they tell somebody and then somebody sets <laughs> yeah, it up for them? Like don't they tell the bake? I don't know. Yeah, oh, <laughs> but hey. I was just expecting more. I wasn't just expecting a simple it's a boy. Yeah, we're we're in the same boat there. I, I don't know exactly how they, they run that gimmick, but you got such luminaries as Titus O'Neill and Sarah Logan, Hawkins and Ryder are there. And then Maria, as you mentioned, goes, Ricochet is the father. And he's like, huh? His facials. His facials were everything. Everything. Like, I think that's what made this segment really funny was the part that he was like, what? And then they, then Street Profits are there. They're hosting this gender reveal, by the way. They're hosting a gender reveal, and they say, oh, maybe a baby on a pole match. Maybe a Maria on a pole match. And they say, well. Maria being on the polls, how he got here in the first place. And Angelo Dawkins indicates that he's the father. Well, how, how, did, you, how did you receive all this? I just think it's funny. I'm a sucker for anything on the poll match, so I'll take it. Fair, fair. Uh, Connor O'Neill says, is Lana dead or – well, we'll, well, we're about there. We're about there. Um, Mike got beat real quick here. He got slapped by, or he slapped Ricochet, came out there, got his ass kicked real proper. Real proper. Got beat with the recoil. Okay. Maria wants to motivate Mike, and she was like, the father of my baby is, and she doesn't say a name. I think that's important to this. She doesn't say a name. But then Rusev comes out and beats Mike Kanellis' ass. He, Mike is like, cool, you're the dad, congrats, I'm out. See ya. But he gets beat up anyway. First off, I, I've got many questions, Denise. First off, what do you think of Rusev's return? Dude. Okay, so I remember the last time when he came back and he was, like, super fit. I was amazed. But then this time he comes back again. And I'm like, dude, where are you working out? What are you doing to your body? You look incredible. And it, the it's mustache an optic, sorry and the to haircut. It's just, it's just an optical illusion. It's just the mustache. That's all That's all he's changed. Is that really? No, I feel it's the body too. Because I yeah, saw a lot of muscle in places I didn't even know you can have muscles, all right? So that was pretty interesting. And I just feel like when he came in looking super hyped, and he, he looked like a character out of a film. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. 
So I would just want to say bravo to Rusev because I've always been a fan, but the fact that he puts pride into his body and what he looks like, like that gives me so much hope, honestly. So bravo to Rusev. Like I don't even care how he came in in this wacky storyline. I was just super excited to see him back. But the second he came out and – you know, obviously my assumption was, okay, now she's saying he's the baby's daddy. I was like, what about Lana? What, there should be some more drama there, too, now. Exactly. So the super chat question was, is Lana dead? Maybe in the WWE universe of things. I don't know. I thought I missed something. I was like, did I miss something? Did they break up? What's happening here? I, they've never gotten, like, the proper push. The proper push, these two. Lana included. Lana is very good at what she does and is always... Super over. Always super over. So, like, I, I don't know what's going on there, but I'm glad to see Rusev back. Hopefully this doesn't lead to him being just relegated to the same type of stuff that he was. Because them breaking up Rusev Day didn't just cool off Rusev. Aiden English doesn't wrestle anymore. Like, he just doesn't wrestle anymore, and that's sad because that guy had never uh, been hotter in his wrestling career than that point, and just nothing. But I'm super glad to see Rusev back. What did you think of the mustache? I hated it. Really? I hate mustaches. I hate mustaches in general. Ah, And all ah. men. I'm so sorry. I know that makes me a heel right now, but I can't stand mustaches. I hate them. Wow. I feel like you look like a creeper. Like, if I see a dude with a mustache, like, my mentality is, oh, I'm not going to get near that guy. Like, he's just going to try something creepy with me. I'm all beards. Beards, go for it. I don't care. Go for it. Have the long one. Have a braided one. Have a colorful one. Whatever. But mustaches is a no. I feel like unless you're an actor, the only reason to get a mustache is, like, ironically. Like, and... And then no. you do it for like a week for like a Halloween costume or something, and then you ditch it. Like that's that's the only thing. That's it. I feel it's only acceptable when you're shaving and you just want to see what it looks like for fun and keep it on for ten seconds and then take it off. <laughs> take your Instagram that's picture my... and yes, be done and with out. it. Out, out, done. Sorry to whoever has a mustache. By the do way, you I'm think so sorry. This, do you think that this time next week Maria Kanellis's baby daddy is Rusev still? No, I think they're going to have fun with this. I think we're going to sure. see some 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 fun characters come out for this one. And I've been digging the use of of Mike and Maria. Like I like it. They were just complete non-commodities a few months ago on this show, and I like it. Now a lot of people are like, "Oh, hate the cook angle." Whatever. Then then don't they're like They're pushing it. the weird though. They're yeah. pushing the weird. I you know, I feel bad for Mike Canales to tell you the truth, but for the Maria, for Maria, hey, this is great. They're getting TV time and you know every time they're out there, you know you're you know you have to pay attention cuz something is going to happen and something weird and outlandish is going to happen. Sure. So I appreciate that very much. For Mike Canales, I yeah, it doesn't look too great, especially, you know, I guess, like, for his, like, manhood or manliness or whatever. Yeah. I'm assuming it's not the greatest thing. And, and I mean, that that is the issue you face in pro wrestling because a lot of people are like, oh, my God, they're embarrassing him. And I'm like, he's, he's playing a role on TV. Three months ago, he wasn't on TV at all. He wasn't playing any role. He got re-signed. He and his wife both got re-signed to six-figure deals for, like, five years, and now they're on TV playing a role. Now, um... I actually I heard Eric Bischoff mentioning this last week on his podcast where they muddy the waters is Mike Bennett is playing 
Mike Kanellis an extension of himself here. So people take these things a little bit too literally, and they they don't. I, I guess they think that this is like some kind of shot to him. And if it is, he's rolling with the punches because he's playing this role exceptionally well. That's true. Yeah. Rey Mysterio defeated Cesaro. Uh, not great mic work from Cesaro, but that's not really what his role is. Was he wrestling in, like, skinny pants? Skinny slash, jeans. Skinny or, black jeans and, like, some tennis shoes with, like, pink trims. I don't know. I couldn't, stylish. I couldn't tell if they were joggers or not. And I've wrestled in joggers before, and it's like it looks like it'd be a lot easier than it is because you're like, oh, well, they're kind of like sweatpants. No, they rip real easy. And he's like, like, his legs are made of stone. So those things are gonna rip. So I'm sitting here wondering, are those shoot pants or are those gimmick pants? I don't know because he seemed to move in them very, very well. Yeah, the whole match. And he's, he's like keeping up with Rey Mysterio. And I've got some friends that are wrestlers that they've got like worked pants that look like they're, <laughs> look like they're dress pants, but they're not. And they add flexibility and all that stuff for when they're in the ring. But, man, I, I couldn't. No way. No way. Uh, there are some good spots for this match, but the crowd wasn't too into it. Why do you think that was? Okay, so here's what I was thinking about prior to this. I was like, you know what the thing is? Okay, so first of all, great start with Rey Mysterio and Cesaro, you know, having a match together. Fine and dandy. But the thing that I've noticed with Rey Mysterio is that he's, like, in no actual storyline. He So I feel if he's in no storyline, then why not just have go out there with different opponents and have incredible matches? Yeah. And I feel that because there's no storyline attached to that, it really didn't give people a chance to, you know, really care about it. And then I feel that, People want to see a certain match from Rey Mysterio, and when they don't get that, it's sort of a letdown. You know, you want to see Rey Mysterio, and it's not to say, like, oh, it's it's Rey Mysterio. No, it's just the way that this match happens to be laid out. But I just think that we want to see, you know, more of a difference. Because even, like, with his last match with Grand Metalik, even though that was a slow-paced Lucha mask, it was still a good match to where people were talking about it because it was something a little bit different, something that you don't always see on WWE. So I feel that people want to see more of that. Like if you're going to have the uniqueness of a character like Rey Mysterio, you should utilize that and, you know, have good matches with different opponents and different types of matches as well. And there's a lot of guys that can keep up with Rey and do obviously a lot of guys. There's a lot of guys that can work his style and put on a really good match. And I think that's what people want to see. Yeah, and, and as you mentioned, there's not much of a story attached to this outside of, hey, I'm not ready to retire, so I'm just, like, he's just going out and having matches. Well, and if, they seem to play that out in commentary today. They made it just seem yeah. like he was just there to secure his son's future is really what it made, they made it seem like, which I, I get it, but I wasn't too fan of them, too big of a fan of them saying, like, this is the sole reason why he's here. Yeah. Uh, a gorilla press gut buster from Cesaro hits. That was great. A suicide dive DDT from Ray. Cesaro muscles up Ray, but gets beaten with a sunset flip powerbomb. Like I said, some good work, some good stuff, but the crowd wasn't there. Uh, a, a good TV match, but really there's not a lot of meaning behind it. Uh, it seems like, however, there was some meaning behind the Authors of Pain vignette. These oh, guys, so good. once upon a time, were tag champions, which I completely forgot about. And I honestly, before this, I was wondering, I'm like, hey, are they being held off because NXT is going to USA Network? Maybe they throw them back there. I could think of a lot worse things than 
Stokely Hathaway, Malcolm Bivens managing Authors of Pain. Hey, even here, I'm okay with it. But this was different, Denise. This was them speaking in their native languages and basically insulting the tag team division. This was an interesting way to present them, and I'm, I'm digging it so far. This was awesome. Honestly, this was probably one of my favorite things on Raw today, and I wasn't expecting that at all. So I've obviously always liked the Authors of Pain, but I feel like today I became like an I can actually say, "Hey, I'm a fan," because my favorite line, and I don't even I didn't I didn't quote it verbatim, but my favorite line was when they said that the tag team division here is soft. They are soft, and we are real men, and we <laughs> almost had a career in fighting in MMA but nobody wanted to fight us and now no one wants to fight us here oh my god that was so awesome I just kind of felt like this came across really well and then the fact that they're saying like we're we're not here to mess around we're here to have a legit you know a legit competitive career and I, I liked it I thought it was really badass it was it was awesome and, I'm a fan that I want to see more of that that was not them talking out of their asses like Razor fought in Bellator like as recently as I think five, less than five years ago, and I retweeted a picture of him choking a man unconscious uh, with a standing guillotine. Not easy to do at the professional level of MMA, especially as a heavyweight. He's beaten UFC veterans before in like 18 seconds. And, uh, I mean, I, I feel like the only reason he didn't pursue that MMA career is because he got invited to uh, that Dubai tryout, I think maybe six or seven months after his Bellator fight. And he did well and got hired. I love that. They're two big, bad sons of bitches, and, like, I could see them with, like, Samoa Joe fronting them one day. I think that is just—I thought that was the answer to the Shield, like, last year. If you wanted some just incomparable trio for the Shield to try to overcome, it should have been those three. That's long gone. But when they got brought up, Denise, a lot of people were like, oh, well, why not—why not Ellering? And I don't know if Ellering would have fit in— on Raw, I, I always thought Stokely was the way to go, but for now, this, them speaking for themselves with subtitles, I, I think it works. Do you think it can work long term? Oh, yeah, for sure. It's something different. It brings, it, the way I see it is if it rings authentic, authentically, then it's going to get over. You know, honestly, like as long as they're, you know, they're portraying it and they believe in it and, and they believe in what they're saying, then the fans are going to go ahead and they're going to go for it. You know, I feel like that's that's honestly like for everybody that ends up getting over. It's because they truly believe in their in, in their character and what they're saying, even if they're scripted, they believe in what they're saying or they portray it in a way where it gets across. Well, and they do it in a way where the message gets through to the fan where it doesn't feel like, oh, hey, I'm just being scripted and this is what I'm told to say. No, they believe in it. And I think that's what gets people interested in, you know, and anybody in general. So with the Authors of Pain and what they did today, like automatically they made me excited. And I think that's obviously the point, right, to get people excited about them. So I think it will work. It will work a long time. And I just kind of want to I just want to see them come out and I want to see them, you know, just get out there, kick ass, maybe do something with the Viking Raiders. I don't know, with whomever really push the boundaries and, you know, level up tag team wrestling. Well, who knows what brand they'll they'll end up on considering the draft is out there. But I think they had to kind of put their faces on TV to let people know. These guys are We're eligible for that. They're, yeah, they're still eligible for this draft because they haven't been doing anything. See, and that's the thing that's exciting too is that 
you know, I can just say here, obviously we know that WWE has a big roster and they have a very talented roster, right? We can all say that. But when we see guys, you know, come that we haven't seen in a while, Rusev, AOP, whoever, it's, you know, just another, oh man, you know what? This is another example of somebody that I really want to see out there. And it makes you excited when you see those those guys, you know, highlighted in some sort of way because you get your hopes up and you're like, okay, great. I'm really excited to see them in a match with this person and this person and, you know, so on. So we have a super chat. Somebody saying, are the Usos being punished? I haven't heard anything. I mean, one can assume that, but I can't exactly report it. Uh, Naomi had injury listed next to her name on the injury report last week, but nothing specified, no date specified. I haven't heard like if she's actually hurt, what's hurt, anything like that. So that's the latest on that situation. Boston Hug Connection defeated Nikki Cross and Alexa Bliss. I have some things to say about this one. I did like the little coffee drinking segment backstage. I think Nikki Cross and Alexa Bliss are such a versatile team in that they can seamlessly transition from babyface to heel wherever WWE needs them. If they need them to be heels, they work that way because they've got Alexa Bliss. If they need to be babyfaces, they can play more off of Nikki, and that works really well. We saw them work heels the last couple of nights, but they end up getting beaten here tonight. Bliss's leg gets hurt by Bailey outside the ring. Trainers come and check on her. It's a work. Bliss had got some nice offense in before that. Nikki has been getting over very well. She makes great use of her TV time. Hits a rough-looking Tornado DDT and her finish, but then a bank statement taps her out. First off, Denise, I want to know what you thought of the match itself uh, before we get into the hows and whys and all that. I thought the match itself was decent, but I think in terms of what really got me hyped was the post-match stuff. I thought that yeah. was really good. Um, but just the match itself was really good. Um, I just, you know, I'm a big fan of Alexa Bliss. So I feel like she's one of those people that, you know, sort of kind of fell a little bit under the radar for a bit, you know, with, you know, with Becky B highlighted more and Charlotte and Rhonda and all of that. And I kind of feel like now with Nikki Cross, she's sort of kind of getting back up there. And I kind of want to see that a little bit more from her. Um, I do like their dynamic of the, of, of them two working together the past couple of months. Um, so that's been good as well. But I think what really did it was the post-match and everything that happened afterwards. Guys, make sure you check out my interview with Alexa Bliss, Fightful.com. Click that exclusives tab. It is also on YouTube.com slash Fightful. I released one with Big E today where he called out Xavier Woods for being fake blind. Go check that out. Now, I'm confused here as to why this needed to be Nikki and Alexa, why it needed to be the tag champions who already kind of have the stigma of Sasha Banks saying that she didn't care about those titles to begin with. Now losing to somebody who said that. This could have been the Kabuki Warriors just fine. I mean, is them losing to Sasha and Bailey hurting them more than not being on TV at all? I don't think so. It could have been Fire and Desire. They just lost a match last night. Could have been the Iconics. It would have made a lot of sense after they the Iconics won at WrestleMania. Sasha and Bailey kind of get that win back. You could, could have went that route, but it had to be... Bliss and Nikki, I didn't think they were pertinent to what the story of this match and the the aftermath were. Nah, they could have like really not even been there in terms of what they were trying to get across, I think. And I think maybe that's why they were selected to be in this match, because I think that what they really wanted to get over was obviously everything that happened afterwards. I did like the the post-match angle outside of that weird chair swinging that Becky was doing. (laughs) Hardcore pillow fights. (laughs) That was, it was like 
<laughs> that was rough looking. That was bad. But Charlotte comes out to back up Becky, and Becky makes up for it. I bet Charlotte's like, or I bet Sasha kind of knew. She was probably seeing those and like, damn it, she's going to hit me extra hard now. She challenges Becky Lynch to a match at Hell in a Cell and punctuates it with, bitch. That's, that's I mean, a way to get a pop for about anything. It always is, isn't it, though? Yeah, that's, that's, that's the way they go. So... Uh, walk me through your feelings, thoughts, emotions about the post-match. Okay, so some quick thoughts is that I do like this Charlotte face turn. I feel like it feels natural versus other times where it might not have felt as natural. And I do like her working together with Becky. I like the fact that I feel that Sasha and Bailey are both, you know, credible opponents for them. So it makes it, it, makes it more of a big deal. And... um Honestly, I thought this was I at first I was kind of like, oh, you know, I kind of want a break from seeing Sasha and Bailey all the time together. Like, I kind of want this break. I'm over it. You know, we had that really long period where they were friends. They were enemies. They were friends. They were enemies. And I kind of sort of over got over that. And then when I saw them, you know, always be together, be an item like you always know Bailey with Sasha. I was kind of annoyed of that. But then once this sort of played in with Becky and Charlotte and then they both each have their own individual thing going on, it sort of made it more, more, more of something of me to more interesting for me, honestly. And I feel that this was just further proof of the fact that Becky is getting back to the place where she used to be because I feel when she was with Lacey Evans and she was right off, you know, so she had this big WrestleMania moment, right? And then she kind of goes back and then she starts working with Lacey. And so I feel like that didn't help her at all. Nobody like, at thought all, she was losing okay? that title. But Nobody. now she started, exactly, but now she's sort of getting back up there, back on the wheel. The fans are, you know, are getting back on the Becky train, you know? And like even today with like the loud Becky chants, Becky chants, and you know, Sasha... You know, Sasha's over as well. So is Charlotte. So is Bailey. And but no one compares to Becky. And it's just like that's what we want to see because we still want to see that, you know. And I feel like at some point we kind of lost it, but it's coming back. Korosami nineteen ninety seven says the four horsewomen do their best work with each other. Yeah, I mean, hey, the people you in the, you're in there and get the, the most reps with a lot of times are the people that you do the best work with. Um, I dare I say mentioning uh, Lacey Evans, I thought she and Dana Brooke did some pretty good work tonight. I feel like both of these women, well, one, Dana Brooke should get a little bit more of an opportunity. She's improved just exponentially over the last several months, and nobody's really been able to see it unless you watch main event, which nobody does. Uh, Lacey has improved a little bit. Unfortunately, it came after she exhausted championship matches like WWE rammed those down our throat it was too much and it was too much too soon honestly I think if Mickey James were there she would be a perfect tag team partner for either one of these women a veteran who could work in the ring for Lacey Evans it matches up with the Southern Belle type of gimmick that she has and WWE needs more tag teams but it looks like they're going after the Natalia thing uh, Dana Brooke kicks Lacey right square in the ass Evans does a great slingshot drop kick, wins with the women's right and a sharpshooter, even though, I don't know if you noticed, Dana Brooke didn't tap. Is this the Knoxville screw job? 
Man, I don't know. But I do want to agree with you on the fact about Dana Brooke. I think this match should have honestly highlighted her. We've already seen what Lacey Evans could do. We already know her strengths and not her strengths. But this match should have definitely highlighted Dana Brooke. For sure. Honestly. We've not seen her get that run yet. No, honestly. No. And to be fair, she got called up way too early. She should have spent another year, year and a half in NXT. They hot-shotted her. They hot-shotted a lot of people. I'm pretty sure that was the same class that brought up Apollo Crews, who was ready, but they didn't have anything for him, and they never have. And And that's the problem, because once you get into that bubble, the fans don't see you as somebody that they should care about anymore. You're stuck in there, and it's kind of like you're stuck in the friend zone. That's it. She don't see you as a lover. <laughs> exactly, yeah. That's that's a perfect uh, perfect example. Seth Rollins defeated Bobby Roode in the night's main event. Now, this match made a lot of sense after Roode had pinned Rollins the night before, so I liked that they did it. It made sense. Crowd wasn't there for it again. Some good arm drags kicked this one off and some good work, but the crowd didn't really give a damn. Rollins super kicks Ziggler and has it one with a buckle bomb and a stomp, but then Ziggler breaks it up. I'm confused at why the OC came out. Like, I mean, well, because they're assholes. That's that's about all I can assume is that they're jerks. But it's never made sense to me that baby faces who are supposedly stand up nice people don't have any allies, nobody to get along with. But all these jackasses that are terrible to each other. They all, like, just band together, and they're like, yeah, I'll help you. That doesn't make any sense to me. Uh, A harmless match, I would have just had Rollins win and then Ziggler attack, because why not? doesn't really hurt Rude that much. He won last night. They 50-50 people all the time. But uh, how did you feel about this and the beatdown before we get into the close? So with this one, it makes me feel like Seth Rollins really needs a hot, hot feud more than ever because during that post beatdown, when he got that Styles class from AJ Styles, nobody cared. Nobody Nobody cared about Seth Rollins. And he's your champion. Like, shouldn't we care, you know? Beat Brock Brock twice. We we just didn't care, you know, and I, you know, something is just not sticking, you know, he's going out there, he's having, you know, decent to great matches with certain people, but it's just not sticking, and that was my main takeaway from this, I was just like, man, this, this ain't working. The Demon Kane comes out, now originally I thought The Fiend will come out and lay everybody out, I kind of dug this more, The Demon Kane comes out and lays everybody out. And then The Fiend shows up and attacks him. Now, I like this a lot more for a couple reasons. Well, I think The Fiend could have laid everybody out, and that would have been fine. He attacked Kane, who we ain't going to see for a long time. So that makes Kane look like he's primed, ready to go. He had won the 24-7 title. He just beat up a bunch of top guys, beat up a bunch of champions. But no, he's not coming back because The Fiend said so. I really love that. But see, it's also Kane. Like, if like, it's not gonna hurt Kane at all because Kane is already an icon in the business. Like, we already know and love and respect his character and etc. So he came and he essentially put one of the young guys over and helped further his storyline, helped further his character, helped make him more of a badass. And the fact that you know Kane and uh, and the Fiend are obviously both scary characters haunting characters the fact that you know he was scary to Kane who Kane and the Undertaker are like I guess you can say the scariest you know it it really makes 
it elevates him is what it did. And honestly, like this worked perfectly the way they did it, the timing of everything where we thought he was going to do his signature. Hey, fire's going to come out of the ring now. No, instead the lights go down and this is the Fiend show now. You know, so I thought this was really well done, and I thought I really liked the fact that they added this to the end of Raw because it made it feel more worthwhile. You know, like, hey, I watched, an, a, you know, Raw had a lot of really good moments throughout the show, but this one was something that's like, okay, I'm going to talk about this because this was a really good thing that happened. And I want to talk about it, and other people want to talk about it. So this show was ran by Paul Heyman. Vince McMahon was not there. Triple H is getting ready for the NXT debut, so he's in Orlando right now. Kevin Dunn was not there. Uh, it's being run by Paul Heyman. And that shot at the end of Bray next to Rollins felt like a Heyman shot. It felt like something that Paul Heyman would visualize and be like, okay, get, get that. And it worked really well. And I'll tell you what else worked really well. The Firefly Funhouse at the end that thing just going on for a solid minute, minute and a half, that was creepy. It was eerie. Like, I I held off on tweeting this, but I'm seeing, like, a lot of modern-day NWO vibes here. Like, with the presentation, like, that type of thing where it's cut in and it's not a part of the show, but it is a part of the show type of thing. But it's for Bray Wyatt, it's for The Fiend, and it's fantastic. And it was so creepy, and at first I was like, Okay, this is a good way to end Raw. And then it kept going and going and going and going. And I was like, God, I loved it even more as it went along. Yeah, honestly, like, I just – I. I can't say anything like bad about it because it was not like it just made you want to watch. And even the fact where he just comes and he like, you know, he gets in Seth's face and it's just like, you know, staring him down and Seth's just looking there like and, you know, all, you know, he's been through the woods and back, you know. So it's just it was a really nice way to end Rod. It made it feel it made it feel more spectacular. And, you know, even with the past weeks, you know, where we've been seeing, you know, we just saw Austin. We saw The Undertaker on SmackDown. And then this was a nice way to, again, elevate the talent. I thought this episode of Raw was a blast to watch. It did not feel like three hours, and that does not happen very often. This felt like a completely digestible, fun episode of Monday Night Raw, and they have a real chance to reset everything just in a couple weeks. They did the Superstar Shake-Up, and they just completely screwed it over immediately. The Superstar Shake-Up just, just was bad from the jump, and then... They did the wild card rule, and that was bad. That was such a just a placeholder till they got to Fox That's and USA. Confusing, very confusing. I often, I mean, I watch every second of WWE programming a week, including most of their digital stuff, and I often forget what brand the Miz is on. But, <laughs> but uh, let me ask you: We got the draft Dude. coming up. We got the uh-huh. draft coming up. We're gonna see. NBC Universal and Fox personalities announcing draft picks. Are you ready for Todd Crisley to announce a draft pick? You know what? I feel like with this edition, it's either going to be very funny or not good. Oh, so yeah. I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. If we get Stewie Griffin plotting to like kill somebody on SmackDown, I think that could be kind of fun. I, I could I could get behind that, but. That was Monday Night Raw. We've got just a plethora of shows this week, guys. Here on Fightful, we have the SmackDown podcast tomorrow. Uh, that will be on Friday, of course, moving forward in a few in a couple weeks. A reminder, in a couple weeks, there is no Tuesday SmackDown. They're skipping that and just going straight to the Friday. Wednesday is the Listen Your Boy. It is our new show. 
Uh, and we are debuting the post-NXT show right after this week's NXT, getting an early start on that, and then moving forward, it'll be NXT versus AEW. Quite frankly, I don't know how the hell I'm going to anchor that show, but we're going to figure it out on the fly for you guys, and we'll be there every Wednesday, 10.05 p.m. Eastern. If you want to support us directly, subscribe to FightfulSelect.com. Lots of exclusive podcast news. I'm doing a bonus Q&A show, I think this week, probably. I don't know, i got like 11 shows this week. But uh, just plenty of stuff, lots to get into. The MMA podcast on Tuesday. But Denise, tell the people where they can find you all over oh, the man. place. First of all, I had a lot of fun doing this show. I'm sweating profusely because I couldn't turn <laughs> the fan on and the lights like hitting me oh, right in no. the face. So you name it, it's happening here. But I had a lot of fun doing this show and I can't wait to be back next week. Um, guys, you can find me on Instagram and on Twitter at underscore Denise Salcedo, YouTube.com slash Denise Salcedo for a hybrid of pop culture and wrestling videos. I got a little jealous when I saw your Instagram follower count. I looked, I was like, damn. I'm um, slacking. Dude, Instagram's slacking. just like, blech. I'm not even an Instagram girl anymore. I, I moved on. I like Twitter now. <laughs> my God. My God. Of course, guys, follow Denise. Follow myself. Follow Fightful. Leave those thumbs up. Until next time, we're out. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.